find you again. <laughs> there we go. Oh. <laughs> All right. I'm going to read you a list of songs. Okay. Okay. All right. Um, here we go. I'm, I'm at it right now. The list of songs that I'm giving you here. We're gonna start. Uh, we're gonna start two songs by Ron Wood. One called Mystifies Me from 1974. Okay. A song called Breathe On Me, 1975. Good year, by the way. See, I was born. Um, we have Eric Clapton, who wrote uh, 1989 on his Journeyman record, a song called Old Love. Okay. He wrote a song in 1985 called She's Waiting. I think yeah. we all remember that song. Love that we all one. know the 1977 song Wonderful Tonight. Not included on this list, but highlighting would be the song Layla, 1970, the Derek and the Dominoes record. Uh, Layla and other assorted love songs. That entire record was written to try to get this person back. 1974, George Harrison's solo song, So Sad. Uh, 1970, off of Let It Be, the song For You Blue. 1969, one of the most beautiful songs ever written, Something. And all of these songs start with the song we're going to talk about now. 1965, George Harrison writes this song about perhaps one of the greatest rock muses of all time, Patty Boyd. Damn. Yeah. He meets her on the set of A Hard Day's Night. She's a model. She's in the, she's in the train scene. So if, you, if you're familiar with A Hard Day's Night, you look at the train scene. Yeah. He, he's kind of talking to her in the back. And that's Paul and John kind of pop in. But George is smitten with her. Uh, writes this song, I Need You. Uh, it's a fantastic love song. I think some of, some of our references kind of blow it off, like, eh, not the greatest lyric, not the... I, I, I beg to differ. I really like the words in this song. Uh, this song has spoken to me since I was a little kid. I had the Brown album. Do you remember that? It was like a... I, I like know double, of it. The, it's the love song. You know what I'm Is that the love song the album? The love song. The yeah. Beatles love songs album. When I yeah. was a little kid in Germany, that was kind of like the record that blew my mind on the Beatles. This song was on there, and I've always loved it. Of course, we're talking about I Need You. Um, I'll get to some details, and then you'll take it away, my friend. This is the second George Harrison song, original Beatles song that he wrote. The first one is Don't Bother Me. Yeah. Not yeah. A, that's not a great song. You know, I mean, it's, it's pretty obvious the Beatles are like, oh, here's a sweet one, George. You, uh, you know, you, you have a nice song, nice-ish song. But I think this is a legitimately good song. I agree. Recorded uh, 15, 16 of February. I mean, there's a little, it's on the 15th is, is my reference that I'm seeing. But in those two days, 19, February 1965, listen to these songs they do in a four-day span. Ticket to Ride. Great Beatles song, obviously. Mm -hmm. Another Girl, one of my favorite Paul songs. Uh, this song, I Need You. And then they do Yes It Is. Yeah. Uh, right? I mean, what a great 12-string heavy, obviously. Yeah. We got the 12, the, uh, George on a 12-string. But what I want to talk to you about, this is right off the bat where I found something uh, interesting. They lay a rhythm track down on this song. Yeah. And our big reference, Revolution in the Head, doesn't really me mention the rhythm track part, but another one of mine did, I found. George is playing a Spanish guitar that you really hear prominently, I think, in the mix, like the, mod the most recent mix of this with the 2009 remaster. You really hear that guitar, and it's awesome. I yeah. love that part. Paul's playing his Hofner, very mm -hmm. warm sound. You hear that. Mm -hmm. Ringo playing uh, percussion on a J160. On the back of it. Yeah, on the back of it, a la if you're like a, if you're a fan of the Eagles, like uh, when when they do little uh, Hotel California, Don Henley's playing a acoustic, the back of an acoustic for drums. Anyway, nerdy stuff. 
But he's doing that back there. Yeah. And you really hear that. It's kind it's of a really cool effect. It's almost a bongo part on the back of a it guitar. Sounds like a bong. Sounds cool. And then you have John uh, desperately trying to keep it down on the snare on two and four. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's a cool, uh, like, it's a different thing right off the bat. Like, that's a different. In one way, as I'm, I know I'm going on, but these are my thoughts on the song. I listen to it and I go, man, if they, if this was a Lennon McCartney song, it's given a completely different treatment. Oh, sure, yeah, right. I, I think they kind of, you hear that it's a George song, and they kind of like, I don't know. As I'm listening to it, I hear a lot of mistakes in there. It feels real loose. Mm, the mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. wonk wonk isn't very consistent throughout. Like it's not like on this part it goes wonk wonk. Sometimes it's it's all over the place Mm -hmm. and i think Mm -hmm. that might be just because it's a george song Um, i never thought of that that's that's and i never thought of it either but i'm listening to it today i'm like why did why is this considered like why did they not give this song what it deserved and i take it even to the the harmonies of john and paul on the please come on back to me which again in, in a revolution in the head, it's like kind of a throwaway bridge. And it's like, what are you kidding me? It's great. <laughs> but John and Paul are just kind of like, uh, uh, it's real lazy. Yeah. I, I don't know. It just feels that way. This, these are my early takes in this song. Talk, talk to me about the, the recording of it on, on your end. You've got uh, George Martin and Norman Smith. Yeah. So this the is pre Jeff Emmerich. Uh, so yeah, uh, those two are, are in the booth as they say. Um, Let's see. Random stuff. Uh, February yeah. February fifteenth. John Lennon got his driver's license that day. <laughs> passed passed his driver's license. So finally uh, found a pair of glasses <laughs> that fit him. I'm guessing. Uh, didn't drive much <laughs> for the rest of his life. Jay Hansen stuff right there. <laughs> so yeah, I had to get that in while we were sort of there. Um, yeah. So interesting. Um, there's a little cowbell in there. We don't really know yeah. who plays the cowbell, but. Uh, Assuming Ringo, uh, probably Ringo, but uh, and this percussion is a very important part of Beatles songs, especially the early and mid period. But I would say mostly the mid period because they're starting to be able to uh, do more overdubs, and right. um, sometimes they feel like they're sort of spontaneous and and sporadic. But I beg to differ that they are incredibly orchestrated. Like for this one, it just, I believe it just happens in the bridge. On the bridge, just out of left field there. Yeah. Um, but percussion, tambourine, shaker, gyro. Um, I mean, they, they go to the closet a lot and uh, pick out uh, fun little toys to play. And, and it's very orchestrated, in my opinion. So, um, and very important to the song. Just adding the cowbell to it gives it that kind of. I, I never really knew there weren't drums on the song. To be honest, I with didn't you either. We, I didn't I know like, any oh, of that I, stuff. Oh, yeah, what, right. It's like, and then when you hear it, it's real obvious. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, yeah. Okay. John, uh, John misses the snare at about one ten, <laughs> hits the rim. Now, if you asked him, he would say he meant to do that. Okay, that's interesting. You're gonna see because so that's John messing up, but it happens to happen right on a volume swell that almost sounds like George slips the pick off of the. It's the oddest little like left field 
it, I heard that as well. It is, yeah. Um, George talks a lot about his inability to uh, control the volume pedal. And it's interesting. A lot of things I read said it was a wah-wah pedal. It's clearly not a wah-wah to, to me. I, right. From what I've read, and I, I looked... I looked this morning, but I couldn't find it. But I think it's a Diarmond volume slash tone pedal. Now I've never seen or played with one of those, so I maybe it does have a tone element to it. It's possible if it's a passive thing, it's like rolls the treble off a little bit. I don't know. Um, but so George George talks a lot about having trouble, you know, walking and chewing gum essentially. Yeah. You know, playing the chord and 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 it is tricky. And so. I, I, it's cool that you, you, uh, reference that. Like it, it sounds like he's struggling with it and it really does. And I, again, never heard that until I listened to it. And it's like, Oh, why wouldn't they have cleaned that up? Because in, yes, it is. It seems way better. Like yeah. he figured it out <laughs> in a day. Yeah. But in this one, it's kind of just like, should I do it here? Wah, wah, right. Wah. Right. And it's, it's, it sounds like he's playing it and singing it at the same time, which, which I'll talk about in a little bit, um, <laughs> which probably explains the inconsistency, but he's not, he, he overdubbed the, the electric over- part the next day. So, cause he, I, he did the, yeah, he played Spanish guitar. I think the Beatles all got Spanish guitars. It, it might be the Ramirez that he played in, and you I love her, uh, mm-hmm. uh, possibly, but, uh, yeah, so um, interesting. So, and and one of the things that that I read a lot about this morning was that he did the volume swell thing in Babies in Black, but at that point he didn't have the pedal, and John was actually leaning down and turning the the volume knob on his guitar on his uh, <laughs> on his Gretsch Tennessean, which uh, is pretty funny. Here's um, our here's our stupid connect. So that that's a Buddy Holly thing. Really? Okay. Okay. That's definitely where they would have gotten that and heard that story about how to do, because in Peggy Sue, Mm -hmm. Buddy couldn't do the, he couldn't, he would do the, the A and when he would go to the D, he would then switch it to the bridge pickup. So in that that song, it's switching from middle to bridge. And Nikki Sullivan from Kansas City, by the way, uh, was in the recording studio, was controlling the tone knob on the not the knob, but the the pickup selector. So and so you can just hear the Beatles going as I'm listening today. You can just feel John going, that's what Buddy would have done, you know, and. (laughs) When I saw it, that's what the connect the dot it had to be a Buddy Holly thing that they're doing. There. Oh my you god, can that's just so cool! See them channeling their Buddy Holly fandom in that. Anyway, sorry. Nice. No. Oh my god. But it no, also that's great. feels like a Buddy Holly song. This one as well. I think that's what's interesting about it. Kind of, it feels. It almost feels like Words of Love, which they would have done on the Beatles for Sale record. Right. Right. Not so long it's, before it, this. It, it's a. It's a. Yeah. Good stuff here. Sorry, didn't mean to interrupt. I had to bring the Buddy Holly. Oh no, no, I, that's great. I read that as well. That's great. Yeah. So, um, gosh, one thing I'd like you to talk about, Jay. I, I my preference on this one was the mono version of this, and that's I'm never really that way. I'm always I don't really ever hear that. But today, as I was going through my collection of I Need You. Mm-hmm. I had the American versions and the the remaster, and that mono version, man, it really buries the wah, 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 wah. and the newest version that the the twelve string through the volume 
is really abrasive almost in the right ear when you listen to it. Mm. That's how de- detailed I got with it today. Now, what, what would have been the difference? So explain to a layperson, including me, because I'm almost discovering that difference today. So the, the stereo, they've obviously panned, you know, they put, they put George in the right ear. You can really hear the mistakes of the snare and the, the looseness of the... But in the mono, it all really comes together. Why? What are the... So we're doing everything in mono then. Is that um, correct? So talk to me about that. Or in America, they had a stereo version. Yeah. And they preferred the mono version. And I got to say on this one, I did as well. So why would I... Tell me why I'd prefer that, Jay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, and a little of this is is off the top of my head. So I yeah. I, I may not be 100% accurate. But, but for me, I... I actually consider the mono versions as the true versions until Let It Be and Abbey Road. Because, and the White Album's a little bit, uh, it's kind of the transition period, but that's because um, in Britain in the 60s, mono was not, or stereo was not really a thing. It was looked at as uh, like, not really happening, you know? Um, so not cool. Not cool, you know, yeah. whereas in America it was a big deal, you know? And so the Emmerich, Norman Smith, they would spend all of their time creating the mono mix and then just throw the stereo mix together afterwards. So, like, I mean, Emmerich said many a time, the stereo version of Sgt. Pepper's is crap. If you want to hear Sgt. Pepper's, listen to the mono version. And it's really interesting, the inconsistencies between the songs if you listen to them. Effects are different. You know, they're able to do some cooler things in stereo, but they honestly were just throwing shit together from from what the impression I have from what I've read about that. So... um, so I've always kind of considered the the mono versions of the British versions of the records yeah. to be sort of the that's the thing. Now, if you're going to learn the song, the stereo versions are great because yeah, like you said, you can you can separate them a little bit, like because they have you know, and like you know, I I'm taking a couple classes online, and so they've referenced Beatle classes, and and they're using these old mixes where all the vocals are in one side and all right. the instruments are in the other. And I'm like, oh my God, you guys need to update your website. This is horrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, so yeah, so so I always think of the mono versions as as the ones because that's the one they spent the time on. Um, now granted, you know, like with the new stuff with what Giles Martin has done on, on Abbey Road and Sgt. Pepper's and the White Album, I mean, those are badass, you know, and they have taken it sonically to a level that, that, you know, it's great that it's there and it's like, please just keep going, you know, big time. Um, but, uh, so, so that's, that's my take now in America, like sometimes like capital would remix them. Like they would add reverb to them just like on the whole mix, which seems like a questionable thing knowing what little I know about engineering, but like, that seems like a, (laughs) like, that seems like weird, but, but they did it, you know? And so sometimes the vocals like, you know, way in the back or the whole mix is very washed out. Sounds like it's being played in a in a, you know, K 
cavernous theater or something. So anyway, that's my uh, two cents about that. See, and I, I set you up for that because I've heard you and my brother Matthew talk about that mono stuff all the time. And this is probably the first time I heard it. And I think this is a good one that people could, you can reference it because there are, there are like five different versions of this song. Um, where there's like a mono, a stereo, like the US mono. Anyway, just, just give that a listen. You can really hear it. And I think maybe in these early records, especially a George song, it was used to cover up some mistakes that you can, you can really hear when it's all spread out. Yeah. It's yeah. a little loose, you know? Totally. Um, I, I felt like listening to this song, knowing where it fits in their, in their canon, right? So again, one of my favorite Beatles records is Beatles for Sale. We talked about mm -hmm. that in the eight days a week. Just great songs. They're just, they're so tight and they're tired, but they're badass. They're just really awesome. They start smoking pot around the help time. Yeah. And I think you can hear that in this song. Um, they definitely would have been completely baked <laughs> doing Ticket to Ride and Another Girl and I, Yes It Is and I Need You. Listen for that in this song. This is kind of the first song you I, I hear it in the recordings. It's not as tight as Beatles for Sale. But again, they do Yesterday on this record and they do Help and they do Ticket to Ride. So they are tight. But again, being a George song, it's a little looser. Yeah. But you can hear how when... He's introduced to Indian music making this movie, by the way, George mm -hmm. is. Mm -hmm. And then you hear that, of course, in the next record, which is After Help We Have, Rubber Soul, rubber soul. right? Mm -hmm. it, this one really feels like a Rubber Soul-y song to me. I mean, when you listen to it, really would have worked on Rubber Soul oh, if they would have spent a little time, a little, uh, a little bit more production time with it. This would be a song that maybe isn't a throwaway song. Not can I don't think it's a throwaway song, but it's not considered a very well-known George song. I'd, and and as you go to the internet, there's not a ton of stuff about this. He didn't ever play it live. Right. He doesn't talk about it much. Doesn't uh, talk about this song. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, for for me, it's always been one of my like. So I have, I have. My favorite Beatles songs are not the hits. Generally, my favorite right. Beatles songs are like the sort of rarities and this is one of them, you know, and it's, I, I think I go to that scene in help where they're, where they're yeah. out, you know, yeah. surrounded by South the tanks. Great playing there. Yeah. It's <laughs> uh, great. The night is, before. Ringo's freezing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's, you know, I have a, I have a 10 song CD of, of, of those sort of, I call them B-sides, but yeah. I mean, they're still better than most everybody else's songs. But, uh, you know, that's uh, this is one of them. And uh, uh, it's so cool. Uh, I It's kind of a folk song to me. It's interesting that you hear Buddy Holly and, and I mm -hmm. I'd never thought of that. I, I think of it as kind of a folk song. And I don't God, I don't know if the well, birds were there yet, but there's, you know, right. there's almost it's a birdie definitely thing. A bird's Roger McGuinn ha would have had to have heard this song and go, oh, this is my sound for the next 10 years. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, let's talk about playing it live because we do play this one. This is one of, because it's also one of my favorite songs and I don't consider it a rarity because, you know, like, like you, it's, it was on that love songs album to me. So I, I've known this song since I was seven. Right. Um, yeah. It was hard. I remember it was very difficult to learn those harmony parts. My brother Ryan and I, would, it's like, oh, I never really heard those. They're very lazy. Like I said, they're not your typical Beatle harmonies. Gotcha. Um, so, And I know you said, as a guitar player and a singer and a piano player and a singer, um, I always struggle with 
rhythms and singing. Right. You know, I have to really teach. Like Jesse's Girl is the the best example. I can't play and sing that song to save my life. Really? Because okay. the rhythm's different in my head. Um, so talk to me about the struggle. You sing it mm-hmm. awesomely, by the way. Mm, don't, thanks. Don't want to toot your horn too much, but it's freaking <laughs> amazing. I get to play the Spanish guitar part, so I'm all in on this one. But you do the womp, womp. So you play the George 12 with the volume and sing it. Talk to me about difficulty that you have doing that. Should somebody out there go, oh, we're going to add this to our live show? Yeah, it's... <laughs> I, I I was... In revisiting it today and reading about the lyric and just how sort of it comes across as, you know, it's George kind of sounding pretty depressed, you know, and and yeah. and it, it sort of made me laugh because I don't I don't capture that because I'm way in my brain trying to <laughs> to <laughs> to to. <laughs> You know, I just sort of like made fun of George, like not being able to handle the volume pedal while he was playing guitar, but he wasn't singing. So, (laughs) so, and the, the thing that's the hardest for me, it's, it's not the volume thing. It's where that chord goes. So he's doing a, an A to an A two or nine, whatever you want to do, call it. Hang on. Sorry. I've got the. Yeah. So an A to an A two, then an. A four, an A sus four to an A. Those chords, Great stuff, by the way, don't necessarily line up with the notes that he's singing. And he, this is a this is a classic George Harrison sort of compositional thing. You hear it a lot. You hear it in the song we're going to talk about next week. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it is one of his. It is just one of his things. It's a signature. Uh, it's a signature, George. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's, you know, only a northern song. Oh, my God. That's just the whole thing is like this sort of atonal dissonance sort of thing that George just locks into. Right. Um, so he starts it here. I don't know if they're Don't Bother Me sounds like a surf song to me. And I, yeah. I've always liked it, but it, it's got a I cool like it little too. guitar part. But anyway, um, so so because of the note... Da, 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 that note, the end of those verse lines, with what he's doing on the guitar, my brain is like <laughs> splitting in half at that point. And I'm really trying to look like it's not splitting in half when we do it in <laughs> front I, of people. And here's the tell. <laughs> Here's the tell. This is how we've we've played thousands of shows together at this point for the past 20 years at this point. We've been playing together. How I know, and you're not going to be able to see this, but Jay and I can see each other on the screen here. We have a teleprompter that we always use in the back of the room or at the at our feet. That's just how if you're going to play 200 plus songs, you have to have a teleprompter because there's no way you can remember all the words and the chords. We're not superhuman. (laughs) So how I know Jay, he's got a he's got an iPad in front of him with with like intense tabs of every Beatles song in there. And sometimes it's just chords like in Hey Jude. I think we talked about you have maybe we didn't, but you have the lyrics there, but it's got the little story about Julian. Yeah, you you have that kind of as inspiration in case you're like, I don't want to play this song tonight. It's like, (laughs) oh, okay. But for you, when there's a song and for the only time it really happens for you and I at the same time is and your bird can sing where it's like <laughs> you, 
I close my eyes because I can't look, and you intensely <laughs> stare at the with a smile I, on your face and a I'm, chew in your gum. You're like, <laughs> oh yeah, the gum's going hard. You don't read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So whenever you see the squint from Jay. And he just looks like he's smiling into space. That means, oh shit, here comes one. <laughs> here comes one that I don't know that well. <laughs> There's several of those. Think for yourself yeah. is the same oh, way. Oh, I got a shit ton of them myself. And, and, and think for yourself is like the chords are wrong because I'm capoed, yeah. so I can't use the prompter. So I'm deep in my, my iPad for that. <laughs> Yeah, I'll out myself, girl. If you just watch me on girl, <laughs> I have to close my eyes and let the force take over because I, I've, I've only memorized it. We love playing it live. Oh the yeah, best live version of uh, of this song. This is a shout out to Rich Miller who didn't really like the Beatles until he saw the concert for George. <laughs> Oh man, those guys are. <laughs> but Tom Petty does the <laughs> does the best. And anytime we would play this song, I would always count it like Tom Petty for Rich would be one, two, and and I've got the guitar here, and I'll do my best Tom Petty. But it's like the birds doing these. Like, you don't realize how much I need you. He's love you all the time and never leave you. Anyway, you got Michael Campbell plays the shit out of that 12 string part on that song. That's on YouTube. You got to check that part out. Um, <laughs> it's in the movie Help. It's one of my favorite scenes in the movie Help. That whole the night before I need you part by Stonehenge and all the underneath stuff. I've always loved that. That's why this song is always it's like what? Why don't we always play this song? Yeah, yeah, it's it's um, great. It's a good one. So uh, let's let's give it the glass onion rating, if we will. Right. Again, we're on a ten point scale, um, a, a flat number. Oh, there's motion detected in my front yard. Um, let me turn that off. Uh, again, we a decimal system is kind of what we're looking for. Yeah. You know. So I want you to give me your rating, Jay, and defend your rating. Um, of the George Harrison song, Patty Boyd's first love song written about her. Yeah, that I, I, need I love what you did there at the top. I didn't That's realize. That's my NPR intro. Yeah, I love like it. That. That's awesome. I didn't realize. So uh, before today, I would have given it somewhere in the sevens. Um, it, it's always, I, I've, I've, I like the song, but because of the experience of playing it live and it sort of being a, a, a you know, a, thorn in my side a little bit. Yeah. Um, I would have put it in the sevens. I'm going to give it an eight one. Wow. Yeah. Went really high on that one. Well, it's, I, it, because, one. because it today reminded me that it took me back to when I first heard the song, when I was in junior high, um, it was like yeah. a Memorial day thing that Z 92 would play like this. It was like, and I, and I've downloaded it. It's, freaking amazing i can't remember what it's called but it's it starts from like love me do all the way to like their their um solo stuff which at that point would have been 81 um, it was like a whole weekend right and they would do that right whole and they just yeah, that's all they did yeah, yeah. and so i re i record I, re I was recording the radio <laughs> and so i would listen to that stuff um because the only thing i had was the red album at that point you know um that was my sister's and so uh shout out 
Yeah, thanks, Holly. So I would, I mean, that was one of the songs that, because I only got like the mid-period stuff, so it was like starting into Help, into um, Rubber Soul. So I, I, I've always dug this song, and I love the scene in Help, but because of it being, yeah, a little difficult and, and me never feeling like I necessarily nail it live because it's such a little brain uh, thing for me. Mm -hmm. um, that it's kind of slid back. But today reminded me that I really dig this song. So, yeah, I'm going 8-1. Eight, 8-1 one. Eight, one on that, Jay. That's a great take, of course. All right. I had a lower score, and I just upped it after what you just said. <laughs> I was thinking, I, I had two memories that came back, like, very, very strongly. Um, when I was a little kid in Germany, and we had that, that Beatles love album, Cool thing about living in Germany in the mid-80s, other than the threat of nuclear weapons pointed at you every day of your life, and you were reminded of it weekly as you learned how to hide in the concrete walls. Because <laughs> that'll help. Germany, 1980 <laughs> to 83. Uh, <laughs> one thing that I really my dad, we, we had to ride on a, like a coach bus to school every day, and it took like an hour and a half to go through all these little German towns. And we like, had Like a, the bag? A, coach bag? Damn, that's nice. Man. <laughs> yeah, we had a coach bus. <laughs> It was real <laughs> fancy. Sorry. Uh, no, like a charter bus then. How about that? A charter bus. And we had a we had an Air Force guy that, that he had a weapon. So he was there to protect us because we were, you know, we were, you were American military. Yeah, we were American kids living in German towns in the 80s. And so he loved the Beatles. And that was kind of his thing. And so my dad, we had, they had a tape deck. And, and I said, if I brought a tape, could we play the Beatles on there? And he was like, of course. And so my dad kind of made a mixtape. And this was on there. Nice. And so we listened to it every day. And I mean, it is, I really, really like this song. Um, I, I don't know how many times I've tried to play this for, for a girl or something. You know, it's just, it's kind of easy. When we were kids, I'm singing with my dad. It's one I could I could play the fun, just you know, like nobody, none of my family could learn to take the pinky off, and I could. So it's very nice. special to me. However, Patty Boyd, if you watch the Eric Clapton documentary where he wrote the entire album for her, the Layla and other sort of love songs, and he mm -hmm. he presents it to her, and it's got all these great songs, Bell Bottom Blues, Layla, etc. She just goes, Yeah, I'm staying with George. So Patty's, you know. Patty's not the best person in the world, but I'm going to give it a, a 6.3, Jay. All right. All right. And I, I think it would have been way higher if it was on Rubber Soul and mm. they would have given, if it was a Lennon-McCartney song, that they would have given the treatment that they gave something. Or, um, you know, sometimes George has these great songs that don't, like the one we'll talk about next week. It's a great song, but the Beatles don't give it all the energy they give a Lennon McCartney song. Oh, not at all. Yeah. You know, For You Blue is one of those. It's, it's a great, cool little song. It's like, eh, you know, we'll throw it away. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm sticking with a 6.3 on this one. Let us know your thoughts, of course. We still don't have sponsors. Today it's sponsored by, I have a new record coming out, Jay, in the next month or two. I can't wait. Billy McGuigan together. We're going to call it sponsored by that today. As I drink my I like Starbucks coffee out of my good life. How about what's sponsoring on your end, pal? Who's your sponsor over there? Um, I have a uh, Bed Bath and Beyond Nebraska mug that uh, oh. I I like it because it fits all of my coffee in one. <laughs> 
See? It is a big goal. If that isn't a tagline for your coffee cup, I don't know what would be. Sponsorship still available for looking through the glass onion. Go to uh, our website, billymcguigan.com. Check, click on the podcast link. We just got some fresh photos of the long-haired versions of us, the bearded versions of us, taken by our friend Carly. Socially distanced uh, and everything. Socially distanced and everything. I held my Came breath my that house. entire time we were within six feet. I don't know if you knew. No, you no, looked no offense. good, though. It, oh, thank you. No, none, none taken, pal. Yeah. Yeah. None taken at all. Next week, we're going to dig in to another <laughs> George Harrison song, one yeah. that you picked. Yeah. You've got some con- controversy on this one. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Who played drums on Old Brown Shoe? Yeah. Yeah. So our, our, friend, back, our friend is, has, uh, our friend Michael Sackler has, uh, our, uh, our guitar, our, our guitar guru has brought up something that we're going to address. Yeah. Who played drums on Old Brown Shoe? <laughs> is it the birthday boy yesterday, Ringo? Or was it the man himself, Paul McCartney? We'll find out. Hey, this was I Need You. Thanks, Jay. This was fun. Thank you, man. Once good again, we you. were looking through the... It's great to see you, man. It was good to see you in person this week. And now via this, this is cool, too. So, yeah. again, listen to Tom Petty do this on the concert for George. Great version. Um, listen to Yes It Is, too. That's kind of a good... They're, they're kind of the same song. John's version of this song. Yeah. yeah. Look what happens when the Beatles spend time on a song. <laughs> You'll enjoy it. <laughs> Be well, my friends. <laughs> I need you. Alright, thanks buddy. Hey, thank you, man. This is so much fun. It is, man. I, I totally agree. So uh, yeah. yeah. We gotta figure out what a season is. Oh. Ten episodes. I don't know. I don't know how many we've done. Ten, ten sounds, right? And then we'll we'll take a month break and then come back or two this, months. I don't this know. Is this five? Is this show five? I think this is show five. This yeah. is fun. Okay.